Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Um, And there is breadcrumbs. I'm going to be trying to avoid those from communion. Um, We are continuing our series this morning called Engage. We're learning how to love God with everything. Uh, And I I encourage people to be here. If you missed one of the messages, we've got you covered. We have CDs in the foyer. um, They're just a dollar each. We just ask you to cover the cost of making the CD. Uh, Also, all of our messages are on our website, vfcthomasville.org. They're on our church app that you can download. Uh, And they're um, also on, uh, we have our own podcast that you can listen to of the sermons. So we want to make sure that you are staying engaged. Um, we talked in the beginning, we talked about engaging with God, and we talked about the, the fact that to engage with God, we prioritize, we prepare for, and we protect the presence of God. And presence is kind of our word for VFC in 2019. I'm, I'm excited that God's going to continue to pour out his presence among us. Um, so we've been looking at this scripture um, this scripture uh, in Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, 29 through 31. And we're going to have it up on the screen behind you here in just a second. Guys, if you'll just go ahead and flip there and then give me control afterwards. Or no, I'll just read y'all. Listen, Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? Like, and that's a good question. Like, Lord, I, this is kind of tough. Right? So what do I really need to do? What really matters to you? Well, this is what he says. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second, wait a minute, Jesus, we just asked you for one. Too bad, you get two. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus actually handpicks these verses, one's from Deuteronomy, one's from Leviticus. doesn't even choose one of the Ten Commandments. He just chooses these and says, these are the two that are the most important. So we've been talking about the fact that we want to engage our head, engage our heart, and engage our hands. You know, most people just pick one. Most Christians are like, you know, I'm going to be the intellectual. Hey, that's cool. Like, I love study. I love, you know, just diving into the language of, of, of the original text and that kind of stuff. It's awesome, but that's not enough. And then some people are like, well, I'm just going to love God with all my heart, and that's awesome as well. I, I love, uh, that's what we're talking about this morning, and I love being passionate for the Lord. I think we should be. And then others say, well, I'm going to love God with my hands. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. That's amazing too. But you can't just pick one. God wants you to engage in all of these. So last week we talked about engaging your head. And we learned that you learn about what you love and you memorize what matters. You know, we want to give God our intellect. 
We, we want to give him, uh, it, it's not, it's not uh, stupid to be a person of faith. It's not unintellectual to be a person of faith. No, we can study to show ourselves approved. We can get into the word. We, we can uh, show our intelligence. We can worship God with our intellect. So this morning we're talking about engaging your heart. Engaging your heart. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, be passionate Engage that part of you that allows yourself to feel. You know, so many times we go through life and people hurt us and things don't work out the way that we want to and there's disappointment. And so we, we, we build these walls around our hearts because we don't want to get hurt again. Well, the, the good news is that walls do keep out people that will hurt you, but they also keep out people that will love you, people that will help you. So we don't want to build walls. We want to build fences with gates. We want to allow entry points, right? And so uh, we're talking about engaging your heart, allowing yourself to feel, being expressive in your love towards God. You know, sometimes people think that being emotional towards God, being emotional in our, our walk with Christ is somehow lesser than, than other ways to, to show our affection to the Lord. Uh, Jesus would disagree. Jesus was incredibly emotional. In John chapter 11, verse 31, Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. If you want to start memorizing a scripture, there you go. That's the one to start with. Jesus wept. You already have it. You're done. Next. Now, he wept because one of his best friends, Lazarus, had just died. And, you know, we tend to see Jesus. I don't know about you, but growing up, the, 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 the movie reel in my head had Jesus being very um, you know, stoic and always put together and my child, right? And I think we got that from movies and stuff that we saw. I'll never forget, I saw one, one, one movie of Jesus where he was uh, breaking bread and, and distributing fish to all the people. And uh, he was so serious. He was like, oh, lifting up the bread to heaven. I was like, I just don't think that's Jesus. I, I don't think he was doing that because we see he was emotional. Well, when his friend Lazarus died, he wept. He didn't just have a tear rolling down his cheek. I mean, we're talking ugly face crying. I mean, he was sobbing. He was so upset. And that, that sorrow, actually, it was a righteous anger that led him to eventually speak to Lazarus, and he was resurrected, brought back from the dead. He was moved with compassion in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. There's a, a man that needs to be healed, uh, and, and the, uh, the, the Pharisees didn't want it to happen because it was the Sabbath. They, they felt that their, their religious rules were more important than helping people. And that, that, uh, Jesus had compassion for the, for the person, prayed for them, and then they got healed. So compassion was a motivating factor in Jesus' ministry. Uh, he, he was angry. Uh, you'll probably remember uh, when Jesus uh, sees that his temple, uh, the temple of the Lord, uh, is overrun with money changers, uh, with uh, animal sellers. Uh, and not only are they selling animals, what would happen is that poor people would make the trek to Jerusalem and they would have to do certain sacrifices you know, to atone for their sins. Well, they weren't rich enough. They either didn't have the animals um, or it, carrying animals on a long journey was difficult. You had to keep them fed, watered. It just cost money, right? So they said, well, we'll go to the temple, buy our animals there. Cool, not a bad idea, except that the people there were upcharging the poor people. They were charging them too much. They were giving them bad exchange rates. And it really hacked Jesus off. So much so that he takes a look at it and he goes, 
I'll be back, in his best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. He then forms a whip. Now, let me just, I've heard people say, well, Jesus whipped, Jesus did not whip people. The whip was for the animals, okay? So don't try to justify violence by saying that Jesus whipped people. He didn't whip people. It says he drove out the animals, and then he overturned the tables, and he poured out their money bags. Now, that's kind of funny. Like, if I was there, you know, I'd be like Facebook living the whole thing. That'd be, I'd be like, oh, dude's going off. I mean, can you imagine taking the, the, the money bags and just and stealing it? And you know, the guys are reaching for it. He's like, and he's pouring it out on the floor. I mean, it's, that's crazy. And, and afterwards, the disciples remember there's a messianic prophecy about the coming Messiah. It says, zeal for your house has eaten me up. The newer translations say, has consumed me. But it means like, like I'm just so utterly consumed with passion and zeal for God's house. That's emotional language. That's not Jesus, please remove the sheep. Get rid of the money. No, that's emotional. It's passion. It's loving God with your heart. He also, now this may stretch some of you. Jesus, scripture says in Luke 10, 21, he rejoiced in spirit. Now that sounds, again, so churchy. Hmm, let's just rejoice in spirit. (laughs) Like, what, what does that mean? Okay. So the word rejoice, look, anything I ever say, you are invited. As a matter of fact, I, I dare you to look up the Greek, look up all that. I want you to make sure what I'm saying is true. Don't just make me spoon feed you. Do your own study. Look this up. The word for rejoice, rejoicing in the spirit, it literally means to jump for joy. The, the, the root words that create this compound word in Greek are much and leaping. Jesus was a Pentecostal. Oh, no. <laughs> there, there was much leaping. And, and he, begins to, he begins to yell out or maybe sing or whatever about you have to be like a child to receive the kingdom. Read it. And, and in, in our text, in our English versions, it, it kind of like dumbs down the emotional aspect of what just happened. But Jesus was having church, y'all. He was jumping up and down, spinning around, screaming. Some of y'all would be like, no, Jesus. We're in church right now. You're making me a little uncomfortable. Right? So, I mean, Jesus was very emotional. He rejoiced in the spirit. He was angry. He was moved with compassion. He wept. Being emotional towards God is not unspiritual. It's okay for us to be emotional in response to God's goodness. What good relationship has no emotion? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Yet we're expected to come into our little church boxes on Sunday morning and just behave. I don't think that's the heart of God. I don't think that's what's demonstrated in Scripture either. You know, I've heard people say, you know, maybe there's like a service and, and you guys worship. You know, y'all were singing this morning, raising hands and stuff like that. It's not about raising hands. It's not about, it's about your heart being connected. If your heart's connected to God on that, on that heart level, you'll probably do something. You don't have to. It's not a rule. That's just religion if you're just making a rule. But, but you'll probably respond in some way. I've heard sometimes people say, well, that's just emotionalism. Good. Good. You should be emotional. 
about God's goodness. That's an appropriate response. Now, what we don't want is we don't want to only be emotional because we want to love God with our head, our heart, and our hands. So we don't want to just only be emotional, nor do we want inappropriate emotion, laughing at a funeral, (laughs) yelling out, you know, during a quiet time when everyone's just really connecting with the Lord and someone starts going, ah, ah. Okay, that's, you might want to simmer down a little bit, right? Because, because you're in a group of people, and so you want to be aware of what they're doing as well. So in a, in there's, there's inappropriate or inopportune emotion. There's also inauthentic emotion. When you're just doing that, because that's what we do. Oh, we go to church on Sunday mornings, and we just run around and act crazy. That's what Grandma did. Well, that's not okay. Are y'all running church or not running church? I'm a a, a Holy Spirit church. I I, I want to connect with him in the way that he wants me to connect with him. I'm an obedient church. See, that's what I want to be because you all are the church, not this building. You are. And so you connect to the Father in the way that he wants to. Sometimes, look, if you're always jumping up and down and yelling, you probably need to be quiet. I mean, just, just for math's sake, I doubt that God wants you doing that all the time. If you're always quiet and sitting down, you probably need to jump up and yell some. See, y'all got quiet on that one. What? What? (laughs) Do you mean? So, look, we're dealing with a living God who gave himself for you, knows you and loves you anyway, and wants to commune with you and be with you. You can't get emotional about that. There's no passion surrounding that fact. That doesn't make sense, does it? So it's okay to be emotional. So I I want to give you this morning uh, three ways that we can engage our heart. Three ways to engage your heart. By by the way, uh, if you've got our church app, if you don't know, if you click on Sundays at VFC, the sermon notes with fill-in-the-blank notes will be there. And you can take, we won't judge you. We won't assume you're playing Candy Crush. If you are, come on. But... But you can follow along. The notes are all there. Uh, you can save them and you can go back and go over them later. How do we engage our hearts? Well, the first way that we engage our hearts is that we just, we say something. We say something. Um, Psalm 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. So we say something when, when, when it matters to us. As a matter of fact, I like to put it this way. You talk about what you treasure. You talk about what you treasure. If you say you treasure something yet you never talk about it, at least not in appropriate circles, then I doubt if you actually treasure it. Um, Luke chapter 6 verse 45, Jesus is talking. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, the storehouse of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. You may have heard it this way. That's how I memorized it growing up. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So sometimes, you know, if you've ever been around someone and, and, and they're like, uh, you know, I said this, and I say this, and I do this sometimes. You know, I say the wrong thing, but God knows my heart. Well, no, actually, I know your heart because I just heard you speak. Because your heart, uh, your speech is a mirror to your heart. Your speech reveals what Look, you will know what someone really thinks when they stub their toe. 
You'll know what someone really thinks when they're under pressure, when things aren't going just right. And the things that we say in those moments reveal who we really are. Because you talk about what you treasure. If we treasure the Lord, if, if, if he is our treasure, if, if, if we love him, then we can be passionate about him and we can talk about who he is. Similarly, think about it this way. You not only talk about what you treasure, but you share what's significant. You share what's significant. Acts chapter 18 verse 25 talks about a person. We don't talk about Apollos a whole lot. In, you know, we talk about Paul and, and, the, and the different apostles. But Apollos was a really big deal uh, back in the first century when it came to spreading the gospel. This is kind of talking about him. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. You know, you don't have to choose between the two. An enthusiastic. Now, in the Greek here, the, the word in the New King James, King James, it says for, he was fervent in spirit. Fervent. When's the last time you used the word fervent? Yeah, that's fervent. We don't say that, right? Well, in the Greek, it literally means boiling over. That's a good description, isn't it? He was just boiling over with passion for God. And it didn't mean that he didn't preach accurate stuff. It just meant that he had allowed himself to share what was significant to him. And and look, we do this in every part of our lives. Look, someone who loves politics talks about politics. Someone who loves sports talks about sports. Do you have that friend that celebrates their birthday all month? Looking at a few of you. They don't have a birthday, they have a birth month. Some of y'all have a birth quarter. Just two more months. <laughs> and then we're going to celebrate the month where that one day is. Look, you didn't do anything to be born. Let's just be honest. It's really, you really should just send your mom a card on your birthday. She did all the work. You didn't do anything to be born. You were just like, hey, I'm here. But if someone's, you know, these people, the people that love their birthdays and talk about it, look, it's important to them. It's significant. So they're always sharing. They're always reminding you, well, you can get that for me for my birthday. So look, this is what we do. We share about what's significant to us. So if you want to engage your heart, then say something. Open your mouth in worship. Well, I don't know the song. That's cool. Then, then just watermelon it. You know what I'm talking about? Watermelon, watermelon. You just have the, until you learn the song. Don't sing watermelon out loud. I feel like I need to clarify this. But, but just sing. Agree with the words. Or, or even if you don't know the song or you think, I can't sing at all. That's cool. Look, we're not, we're not taping you. It's not going to American Idol. But you can, you can always just agree with the words and say, I agree. Thank you, Lord. But say something. Say something. It ignites passion in your heart when you do this, when you choose to say something. Now, the other way that we can engage our hearts, besides saying something, is that we also do something. We don't just say something. We do something. You know, your actions reveal your passions. What you do will reveal what you care about. I know what's important to you by what you do. 
And, and this has caused a lot of conflicts in a marriage when, when, when one, one of the, the spouses say, hey, I love you, I commit my life to you, you matter to me, but then their actions don't show that. Maybe someone's always gone. Maybe someone's you know, out of balance when it comes to work. Maybe someone's out of balance and spending time with, with friends or, or hobbies or things like that. The problem it irks, the reason that it irks the other spouse is because they're doing something contrary to what they say. And we don't want to do that when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Look, here's, the, here's what you know to be true is that you pursue your passions. You pursue your passions. If you're pursuing something, if you're doing something, then you, it's because you want to. We, our, our family, the Nunley family, we, we took it from someone else. But we, we say all the time, people are going to do what they want to do. We say it all the time. And in ministry, you've got to live by that. Because otherwise, you pour your heart and soul into someone, and then they just totally not only reject it, but then talk bad about you. <laughs> and then you've got to realize, you know what? People are going to do what they're going to do. I can't control another person, but I can I can identify the passions in my life by the actions in my life. So we pursue our passions. 1 John 3.18, the Apostle John is writing. He says, Dear children, it's not merely what we say, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So if you want to engage your heart, you need to do something. You need to recognize that you are already pursuing your passions. And so if you want to change your passion, place it off of one thing it shouldn't be on, onto the Lord, then you need to change your pursuit. You need to change your actions. You know, someone who loves to work on cars works on cars. Someone who loves to eat, eats. Amen. <laughs> Someone who loves to worship, worships. Someone who loves to run and exercise, runs and exercises. Someone who loves to drink, drinks. I mean, don't fool yourself. You do what you want to do. And, and your actions are revealing your passions. And so we've got to take personal inventory and say, hey, look, I recognize I pursue my passions. If I want Jesus, if I want to love Jesus with all my heart, then I need to pursue him, make him my passion. You not only pursue your passions, you also invest in what's important. You invest in what's important. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus is dropping some knowledge on everyone. I'm telling you, that whole section when Jesus is talking, you should go back and read that. But he says this, he says, he sums up what he's saying. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, he's saying, I know what's important to you based on what you're invested in. What do you mean by invested? I mean your time, your talents, your treasure, where you spend your money. You know, I can look at someone's checkbook or online checking, and I know what matters to them. Right? I mean, it, it, we just, you spend money on what matters to you. Some people like driving junky cars. They don't spend money on that. Some people ha- like having the nicest car, and they spend money on that. And that's between you and the Lord. What kind, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying either one's wrong or bad or anything. I'm just saying that it, don't kid yourself. Don't say that, that you don't care about something, yet you're throwing all your money at it. Uh, you, where your treasure is, where your storehouse is, that's where your heart is going to be. I can find your heart when I see your treasure, what you spent your money on. And so Jesus is telling everyone that. You know, he's saying, I know what's important to you based on what you've invested in. And so look, we just have to ask ourselves, if we want to engage our heart, we've got to do something. 
We've got to change how we invest. We've got to change how we pursue. We've got to not kid ourselves when we take a, an objective look at our lives and say, hey, you know, I say this, but I'm actually doing this. You know, people in love make grand gestures, don't they? There, there was a, a movie in the late 80s um, called Say Anything. I'm not recommending it. I've actually never seen it. But I know the scene, and you may know the scene, where John Cusack is the actor, and he stands outside of the bedroom window, and he holds up the boombox, and he's playing this, and it's like this iconic 80s movie moment. You know, it's a grand gesture. You see people do that kind of stuff all the time. Um, I, I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago about me asking Tiffany to marry me. Um, sending her on a scavenger hunt. Um, another, another big gesture that I did is we actually, I started dating her youth. Y'all can plug up your ears here. She was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore in college. And, and we started going out. And so I actually got to take her to her senior prom. I was going to show you a picture, but then I thought that's a bad idea. I had Hugh Grant hair. Y'all know, y'all remember how Hugh Grant and the, the big wings? Yeah, it was bad. She looked awesome. She, she always does. But yeah, I was, it, was, it was a struggle. <laughs> but I got to take her to her senior prom. And, and uh, the, the, the band, they had a live band. They were playing like awesome like Motown and R&B and just all these awesome you know, dance songs and stuff. So I went up to the band and I was like, hey, can I sing to my girlfriend? And they were like, uh... And I said, I promise, I mean, I can sing. And they said, what song? And I said, Unchained Melody, which was kind of one of our songs. And uh, they were like, ooh, that's a hard song, man. I'm like, I know. And so they were testing me. They go, what key? I said, the original key of C. And they go, okay, cool, you can do it. So they called me up there in front of all just senior class and I got up there and sang Unchained Melody and just made this grand gesture. Why? Because I was so in love. I was so passionate. I just wanted to let the whole world know. I wanted to just do something because of my passion. What about you? What if you just made some kind of grand gesture to the world saying, man, I am totally 100% sold out to the Lord. My pursuits, my investments, what I say, everything I do, it's all about him. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, it's great. It's a good thing. The scripture is chock full of people who are giving up their entire lives for the Lord. You can do that too. Do something. Don't just say something, but do something. Because you pursue your passion and you invest in your interests and what's important. Here's the last thing. We don't just say something, we don't just do something, but you should remember something. Now, this is, this is a trick, and I, I encourage you guys, if you're married especially, here's, here's some, some free marriage counseling. If you're struggling in your connection with your spouse, I encourage you, one of the number one things I tell people to do is to see if you can find old photos, old letters, um, and... And just reminisce. And just, just begin to remember the beginning. You know, when you guys first started hanging out. Um, it, it just, it does something. Because remembrance leads to recommitting. Remembrance leads to recommitting. You know, 
I was planning to share our, our engagement story a couple of weeks ago. And so we started taking out all the little note cards where I sent her on a scavenger hunt to find her ring. She had kept and put in this binder. She gave them to me on our, on our wedding as a wedding gift. And, and so, but there were all these pictures. So we went through and they were like movie tickets and, you know, like I didn't keep any of that stuff. Uh, but Tiff did, and uh, we're just we're looking at all these pictures, seeing our old friends, and just immediately you, you could just feel that connection, that fire just stoke up again. Because remembrance leads to recommitting. I mean, you guys just saw this with the vow renewal this morning. I mean, they remembered, hey, every year, yeah, we got married. This was the date, and so what did they do this morning? They recommitted. And so you see this all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, the, 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 the children of Israel, when God did something, they would build like an altar. They would, they would uh, put stones in a certain place. And in one part, um, it says, make, build an altar here. They used to, you may have heard the word Ebenezer. It's the word that they would use. Uh, they build an altar or a place of remembrance. It says, so that when your children ask you, why are these stones here, you can tell them about God's faithfulness. They were training themselves to remember so that they may constantly recommit. I want to show you a scripture. It's Revelation 2, 2 through 5. I just want to read this to you. Um, Now, Revelation, the apostle John is having a vision. And in this vision, the Lord is giving instructions for him to write down certain messages to specific churches. And so we get to the instructions for uh, the church of Ephesus. In Ephesus, um, you know, we have the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is known as being like uh, a book where the Apostle Paul wrote them, and there wasn't a whole lot of really bad stuff going. Like Corinthians, they were crazy. So he, was, he had to write them two letters. He actually wrote them three. We only have two. And, and then he's like correcting everything. I mean, Corinthians is a hard read because he's getting on them the whole time. Galatians, he's, he's, he's like, you know, trying to correct some theology they'd gotten into. But, but um, Ephesians, like everything's good. And he just gets to love on them in the book of Ephesians. It's a great book. And so here is God's message years later after Paul had written, um, uh, well, around the same time actually as when Paul wrote. But this is the message that God gives to the Ephesians. Check this out. It says this, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. By the way, uh, if you have to tell someone you're an apostle, you're probably not. Just, okay. Um, <laughs> number three, uh, verse three. I know that you are endur- enduring, enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Verse four, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore. See, the prescription for abandoning your passion is to remember. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent, change your mind, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, interestingly, it says, do the works you did before. Now, he already said, you toil with patient endurance, you don't bear with those who are evil, you test apostles and false prophets, you're enduring patiently, you're bearing up, you're dealing with all... Well, what are the works that they're not doing? It's the works of the first love. It's the works of the heart. They were doing the right thing, but their passion had waned. He said, look, remember, remember what it was first like when I came 
and planted the gospel, when you first heard about Jesus, remember that feeling that you had, that that feeling of lightness uh, when you knew that your sins were forgiven. Remember how you felt when you wanted to tell everyone about what God had done for you. Remember that. And go back to those works. Because it's not just doing the good works. He's also looking for that passion. The default is decline. In your marriage, in your job, you get comfortable in your job, you start doing a bad job. In, In any relationship, the default is decline. If we don't intervene, our love will grow stale. You put a, cup, a hot cup of coffee on a table, it's not going to be hot forever. It grows cold. This is the state, the environment that we live in. It's an environment of decline. And unless you intentionally choose to intervene, your love for God will decline as well. And so my question to you is this. Are you engaging your heart? Are you loving him with all your heart? Are you loving him with all your passion? Are you fervent, emotional? Do you have enthusiasm for your relationship with the Lord? Look, for some of us, some of us have been at this at a while, right? I'm 41 years old. I've been saved since I was, before I was born. (laughs) It feels like it sometimes. Actually, I was a holdout. My parents asked me if I wanted to receive Jesus at age five. I was like, no, I'm good. But around six, you know, I'd been through some stuff. It's time to make that decision. Look, it's so easy for our love to grow cold. It's so easy for our passion to wane. It's so easy for us to get used to God's presence. Guys, I don't ever want to get used to his presence. I don't ever want to have a moment in worship where I can just feel he's here and I'm just like, yeah, he's here. Oh, man. I don't want that. I don't want that. The key to avoiding that, engage your heart. Say something. Do something. And remember something. And let that passion for God well up inside you again. Let's stand for prayer. I want you to do some business with the Lord real quick. We always do this. Just close your eyes. This won't take long. But we always want to respond. Just ask the Holy Spirit, under your breath, not out loud, your own words, am I engaging my heart? Some of you in this room made a commitment to the Lord as a child, and you've been riding that thing your whole life. As if that is a relationship. Come on. God's got so much more than that for you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Where we commit our hearts to the Lord. Where where we choose to engage. Where we say, you know what, it's all right for me to be a little emotional. It's all right for for me um, to remember, to do, and to say to be passionate, to not be lukewarm, to not be lazy. 
It's okay for me to love God with all my heart. Let me lead you in this prayer. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you because you first loved me. Your passion for me is so great. So I want to have passion for you. I pray, God, that you would help me be emotional in my walk with you. Not out of balance, but to be fervent and to be enthusiastic. Remind me to say something because I will talk about what I treasure. Remind me to do something because I will pursue my passions. Help me to remember your goodness because remembrance leads to recommitting. Jesus, I give you my heart all over again like it was the very first time. Convict me and lead me to love you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.